Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. Most of you know this, but my name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it's a great privilege, as always, to be able to reach out to my congregation here in Dallas and those who are affiliated with our church, as well as to all of our Saints Network family in so many places around the world. Today, on this Wednesday, our congregation is going to be gathering to pray at 6 o'clock in the evening and particularly coming into alignment with uh, our responsibility as intercessors who offer supplication before God and uh, asking God to shine the light of his joy upon us. And um, we want that joy set before us. Even though those revelations from the Lord are so vibrant and so encouraging, they don't always tell us the full picture. If it did, we wouldn't have a walk of faith, would we? If we knew everything, how could we then come before the throne of God and exhibit any faith whatsoever? You know, the Bible says that which is without faith is sin. And uh, I don't want to miss the mark. I want to keep calibrating my heart to whatever the unfolding uh, of the Spirit of the Lord according to his mysteries might be. And I believe that, uh, that our prayer time tonight is ordered of the Lord. So those of you here in Dallas who can come and be in prayer in the sanctuary, please do so. But we invite any of you to, uh, to lift up prayer sometime today, hopefully during that same time frame as we go before the Lord. I am uh, very thankful that we are just uh, a little over a month away before we gather here for our seminar, our Saints Network fall seminar this year entitled Atonement. We hope that you're making plans to be here very soon. Our website will have the opportunity for you to register, and we would ask if you're going to be here on site, please register there. But if you're going to plan to join with us on live stream, we also would want to know that. And so um, please avail yourself of the opportunity to register online. Now, again, it's not ready yet. It'll be up very soon. We outsource this to a very efficient person who manages our website. And um, I don't know exactly what day it'll come, but uh, it'll be up soon. And um, so you can watch for it. Many of you access the website regularly to hear these programs and others. And so just watch. You'll see the familiar atonement um, uh, icon that Pastor Fabian prepared 
and you'll have that opportunity. I'm not trying to overshake this, but it's amazing how many times dearly beloved saints get confused. And it really helps me to recognize that that's one of the facets to being able to pray in diversities of tongues where the mind is unfruitful. And God's, God says our spirit prays. And uh, increasingly as a pastor over the years, I see the wisdom in that. <laughs> because if your spirit is praying under the directive of uh, the spirit of God, then your mind, which can easily get confused, has nothing to do with it. We, we, need, to, we need to know that. So um, I, I just pray that, um, that you will watch for that and that uh, when it comes, you'll, you'll take your, your time to, to register. It really does help us. And um, um, I, I pray that this time is going to be a great time for, um, for the saints. I know that God is giving us um, incredible insights. Our intercession is valuable. And being able to be together is, is going to be a great blessing. Today we want to look at the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. That's pretty easy to remember. 1, 2, 3, 4. And we don't mean to ignore the first verse, but we're just going to focus on 2, 3, and 4. So um, I... Uh, I know that I spoke this past Sunday about Moses being placed in the cleft of the rock and that God was very specific with him regarding uh, when God's glory is really manifesting itself, that uh, Moses has to be careful, and all of us do, of um, overreacting or questioning God. Uh, it doesn't, it's not a problem to, to wonder. It's not a problem to have questions. But it is a problem to direct those to God in a way that would be interrogative when God is not really wanting to, to discuss what he's doing. Because we have a tendency of giving God counsel. And he doesn't need our counsel. And, you know, the, the beauty of it is that God... Only God can do this. He gives us, as we pray, insights that we can utilize for our prophetic prayer. But we may not really understand all that God's doing until, well, not you, I don't think we'll ever understand all that God's doing, but we won't understand what God was uh, bringing forth at that moment until the process has been um, has been in a timely way concluded and um, I I know if you haven't heard that message you can look for it it's on archive from this past Sunday but the point for us is that whenever we're partnering with God as an intercessor and particularly today we're going to talk a bit about supplication God will give us insights and what do we do 
with those insights? How do we project them forward? And you can do that even though you may not really have an understanding of what all is going on. And um, God's good about that. And, and again, that's the hallmark of faith. The light is on our steps and, and, and the, the immediate pathway. We have to have that lamp. And um, it's not a spotlight that shows you every nook and cranny up ahead. You, you need to keep walking with the Lord and treasure what he's saying. You know, he, he gives you those insights as a way to utilize them in your prophetic proclamation, and, but he also uses them to encourage you, and he uses them to build our relationship with him. It's, it's like factors, you know? It's like everything else, you know? You, you go and you sign up for a class or God's teaching about something. You don't understand everything right away. It's bit by bit. It's line upon line. And only when you come to a certain juncture of that educational process can you look back and say, oh, I see how this works. Sometimes, you know, Christianity... And I blame this a lot on just being human, but also upon ministries that want their people to think they have everything figured out. And there are a lot of them out there. People want to believe in that. And so they'll give you two or three steps to do this or two or three steps to ensure that God does what you want him to do. And to me, even though those steps may be helpful, the entire genre of that ideology is not scriptural. Um, because, you know, you're not going to put a premium, you're not going to put a time frame on God. You're not going to make demands on God. You're, you're walking with him. And God, God will give you an insight, and it's what you need for that moment, and you utilize it. But... The, the, the walk of faith requires you to trust and you're just moving forward. You know, that's the principle of miracles. God can be dealing with people in prophetic obedience and um, so often the miracle doesn't come until it seems like all options have been, exa have been exhausted. Now, God moves sometimes in ways that are just so delightful. He saves us from so many challenges and problems. But, you know, the greater the vision, very often the greater the challenges you face. And, and so how do we, and, and some people aren't willing to do that. That's why patience is the first sign of the apostolic. Look it up in the scripture. It, it comes before signs and wonders. If you don't have the willingness to walk patiently before God, forget it. <laughs> He's not going to really be able to use you that much. I'm not saying he doesn't love you. I'm not saying that he won't honor uh, your walk with him and what you do offer. But if you want to partner with God on major things, 
You better be willing to walk step by step in obedience and trust him. So today we want to look at Philippians 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. We'll just go ahead and throw in five since you've been such good kids. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And then that stem winder, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. See, I gave you two extra verses there. No extra charge. Paul begins, as he writes to the church at Philippi, or as the Greeks would call it, Philippi, um, grace unto you. And he says, Eucharistio, it is, um, it is that proclamation of partnering with God in grace according to his eternal purpose. And peace, that God is always going to bring you through the process from promise to fulfillment. And that's, that's from the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not really our topic for today, but that verse is a mouthful because you've got to know the Father and you've got to recognize that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for the saints. And the objective of that throne is that it is a throne of grace. And so Paul is just setting the stage. You should be partnering with the eternal purpose of God in grace and you should, be, um, you should be knowing that your communication is with the Father in heaven and in conjunction with what our precious Savior, our elder brother, the only begotten firstborn Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That sets the stage right there. And it's important to see. So... Here again, you, I thank my God, there, there is, well, grace be to you, and then the eulogio, uh, I mean the Eucharistio, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. So whenever Paul was thinking about this church and their connection with the grace of God at the throne with the Father in conjunction with the chief intercessor, the Lord Jesus, Paul says that every time he remembers this church, he recognizes that they have committed themselves to the eternal measure of God's grace. That's so great. And again, remember, we're not teaching on this today, but that's what the table of the Lord is called, the Eucharistia. And uh, it's the good grace of God. That's what we are uh, focused upon when we come the body and blood of Jesus, and when we, we are submitting ourselves before the Lord. But let's look then at what Paul says in verse 4. Always in every prayer, says Deasis, of mine for you. 
making deasis with joy. What does that mean? Now, I apologize to you that you've either been under a rock or you've just turned over here and you haven't been hearing uh, the ongoing progression of what God's been showing us in his word, but deasis is the New Testament version of supplication in the Old Testament. It is regularly, most of the time, linked with that other term, prosuke. And you, you then have people that are engaged in supplication and they're gaining insights from God that they need to speak forward, believe for, and that's kind of his process. And so Paul says that when he thinks of these people who are committed to grace, that he offers supplication for them, and twice he says that he is always offering supplication for them with joy. We'll talk about with joy here in a minute. But remember that in the Old Testament, the spirit of grace and supplication is one of the seven spirits of God. You cannot separate grace from supplication, or or better serve, you cannot separate supplication from grace. God is always wanting to move things forward according to his eternal plan. That's what grace is, to a new horizon, to a new measure of of service, to a new measure of discovery. That's what grace is. Grace is always pressing forward in conjunction with what God wants to do. And supplication is you offering yourself as an intercessory partner to service that inclination and that passion from God. Does that make sense? And so Solomon, when he was engaged in the dedicatory process of the temple before God, God spoke to him quite a bit about offering supplication from that temple and then that the palal type of prayer, uh, which coincides with Old Testament supplication, that kind of insight that you proclaim, that you declare, that that's what God would be doing from that place, and from that temple, then tabernacles would go forth. Again, I know that's a mouthful, and I hate to seem demeaning, but, and I don't mean that, we've studied this a lot. We've written books on it, we've taught seminars on it, So if you're a little sketchy on that, go back and review what is there. Um, But the point, though, is that out of all the seven spirits of God, the one that includes an intercessory partnership is the spirit of grace and supplication. And this is where God utilizes his people to birth something new but something in conjunction with what he has ordained to do. And so you don't necessarily offer supplication on behalf of your pet project. You don't offer supplication on behalf of something that you've deduced 
that you want God to do. You don't just get a jar of grace and smear it over your pet, your pet uh, desire and say, uh, you know, I'm fertilizing you with grace, so you've got to grow. Grace is in accordance with what God has ordained to do at his throne. And people who are offering supplication are submitting themselves to whatever measure of intercession God requires. And um, it's a different type of prayer than the many other types of prayer that are listed in the Scripture. You know, there, there are types of prayer that God grants to his people that are based upon what he has given them to do and their authority. And it's, it's all, it should all be based on him directing you as to how to pray. Um, like, for instance, we talked about aiteo, A-I-T-E-O, Greek word, and then from that, petitions, that, which is formed from aiteo. That's based upon what God has assigned you to do, where you are in your terio, what, uh, how you need to demonstrate the authority he's given you, based, of course, upon him giving you insight. See, we shouldn't just willy-nilly think that because we have authority, we can just go out kicking it and taking names. We should be uh, as Jesus did. How many times the very Son of God, people would ask him to do things, he would, he would do things, he'd say, whatever I see my Father doing. Uh, you know, I'm here to come to do the will of my Father. I'm about my Father's business. You cannot separate divinely, uh, um, divinely commissioned authority from... That, that measure of, of him directing you as to how to utilize it. And so, um, but those other terms, and there are many others, we, again, we've studied them, um, they are different than supplication. Supplication has its own, it's, it's like the spirit of glory and of God. You are, you are with God and you're being sensitive to his burdens, you're being sensitive to the draw of the Spirit. So many times we, we're, we're praying about something that God has put before us that we know he's wanting to do in grace. And it's not as simple as just listing it out and speaking it forward, tooting on the shofar and saying, okay, it's done. Lots of times that can happen. But supplication is like a bearing to birth. And you may, you may feel a yearning to pray. You may not understand it. You may, you may have, as some of you say, a burden. And what's God doing, you'll ask. Please tell me what God's doing. Like, I'm the great Wizard of Oz. I can't tell you that. It's between you and God, and he's drawing that out of your spirit, which is where diversities of tongues is so eventful. Because you know not how to pray as you ought. The spirit within makes intercession. Often with groanings that cannot be uttered. How did you do that in the Old Testament before they had the gift of, of tongues and diversities of tongues? 
Well, they would often, I'm not from the Old Testament, I haven't lived in the Old Testament, <laughs> but I, I know that people would be on their face. I know that people would be, would, would be maybe offering the type of Selah prayer concerning the promise that God had given that he wants to do. Many times that would be enunciated in, in playing before the Lord or weeping before the Lord or just waiting on God until you feel that release. And um, we still sense those things in the New Testament. We have the added advantage of being able to pray in spirit, the born-again spirit, in tongues and, and diversities of tongues. So, for instance, Paul is praying, I'm sure he's praying that Christ be formed in these people, and he's saying that the primary way that he prays for them is in supplication, in accordance with the eternal grace of God, and in conjunction with the grace of God that is being manifested from the throne, and in, in alignment with our Lord Jesus. That's how Paul's praying. He doesn't say he has a list of prayer requests. He doesn't say he's, you know, I think sometimes people, and I don't mean this in a bad way, please don't read anything into this, but as a pastor and in some ways with apostolic responsibilities, I think sometimes people look to me or to other offices in the network as if we are God in our in intercession. Sometimes, sometimes we need to stand alongside, but not all the time in your specific needs. God wants you. He wants you to grow and develop. And uh, if you don't do that before him, something is going to be lacking in your life. Now, again, I'm not saying don't let us know prayer requests. I'm not saying that. But if we become a crutch to you, no. How do you distinguish between the two? How do you know when to reach out? Well, if there's some attack that comes that springs on you, you can let us know. But we, we cannot bear your burden for you. That's why the scripture says, in one place, bear ye one another's burders, burden, burders, burdens, and then a few verses later, it says, every man has to bear their own burden. You get used to people bearing one another's burdens, and then you don't want to bear your own burden. And only maturity will show you when you have to, you have to, because it's easy to go to somebody else. It's easy to go to somebody that has authority and feel that confidence. And that's great. But it's just like anything else. You know, as a kid is growing and developing, if they don't learn how to do something on their own, they're not going to grow. If they're always relying on mommy or daddy or grandpa or grandma more often, they, you know, at times you have to do that. But if, if, if they don't learn how to process and how to take a stand and how to put in the work, are you really helping them? And God himself is the one that wants you to be all that he created you to be. So how do you know when that burden comes? Paul, Paul suggests 
that he truly wasn't praying any other kind of way for these people. He just sets it off. He says, you've got grace from the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. You are committed. I, I'm, I know that I'm committing you, and you are committed to the good grace of God. And I'm praying for you always in diasis. And then he doubles down on it in the same sentence. He really was wanting these people to grow in grace, but his prayer was according to the burden of the Lord. I think that God is wanting to uh, develop your musculature in this a little bit and perhaps to recognize what's really going on in you. Um, he's jealous over you. He wants you to be sensitive to his spirit. And this is not a hard and fast, hard and fast rule. But usually if I sense something that I don't understand, to me it's the doorbell, the Father's got his finger on the doorbell of my spirit. He's saying, I want you to intercede in supplication. And sometimes when I'm praying for a particular nation that we have a responsibility for, I will, I will really, I'll just set myself apart to say, Father, I believe you're wanting me to, to, to offer supplication today. And so I'll present myself and I'll begin to pray in the Spirit, but I know that that, that segment of intercession is for, for, for supplication and grace. And you have to yield yourself to that, often by the burden of the Lord, but sometime by the directive of God. You may not feel a quote-unquote burden. But God yet wants you to, to know, I'm setting this time aside so that I can pray for your grace to be manifested in those people. And that's, that's an important thing. Now, what does Paul mean here when he says, at, in the second diasis, in verse 4, with joy. Joy is the expression of grace. Joy is the root of grace. I mean, it's there. Same word, same word etymology. And it's, it's the rejoicing, the joy set before you. And to me, I think this equates with the insight of Palau in the Old Testament and the insight of prosuke, in the New Testament. Here Paul doesn't say diasis and prosuke, which he does roughly, I, I don't know, I'm just throwing out a percentage, 89% of the time. You see them together in the New Testament. Some of you are going to do that math and you say, Pastor, it's not that. Spare me that. But, you know, the thing is that um, here, Paul doesn't mention prosuke, even though we know they're hand in hand. And here he says, with joy. What does that mean? God can give you a joy insight without telling you exactly how it's all going to turn out. 
In fact, you can just express that. Thank you, Father, that you're working this for these people. Sometimes God will give you a little snippet. You, I don't know what it might be. This is just, this is just telling you that God can show you something. You can proclaim that. Do you know that you can proclaim something that God shows you without understanding the whole picture? Do you ever, do you ever uh, try to counsel somebody when a project's being worked on and suddenly you remember something? You say, hey, make sure you pay attention to this. Don't forget to do this or watch out for this. You're, you're kind of giving them an insight, a timely insight, even though the project's not finished yet. Do you ever do that? It's very helpful. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what goes on with deasis with joy, but God uses insights along the way, almost like rhema insights, and you can proclaim them, you can share them, and it might encourage somebody. It might give them uh, a measure of, of um, immediate direction, even though the full picture is not there. God uses that. Only he is the great author on the pathway to finishing can do that. It keeps us going. Now, does God always give you a, a, a snippet of joy? Or, you know, the, remember the joy set before you that Jesus had? Now, Christ knew what was coming because he was fully man, fully God. But the joy of the Lord was Gideon's strength. Gideon knew that God wanted to eliminate Baal. Um, and I'm not talking about what happens in New York City with the Justice Department. I'm talking about B-A-A-L. Um, and um, he knew that Israel would be better off without that demonic entity. And the joy of the Lord was his strength. He knew that he had to act in, in conjunction uh, joyfully with tearing down the altar and looking for what was coming. Um, knowing that you're partnering with God is a strength. Expressing what God shows you on that pathway provides a strength. And we need to embrace that. We need to embrace that. And um, I... I know that um, I know that sometimes people make it harder than it is, but when you're engaged as an intercessor on behalf of a nation or a major partnership in grace, God can at the same time keep you hungry for the ongoing revelation of mystery as you pray while giving you snippets of encouragement and insight that you apply. Does that make sense? So Paul is fully relying on that. And um, I think tonight, those of you who are listening to this on Wednesday, we come to pray tonight. We're, we're doing so for the joy set before us. That's what prophetically has been put forward. We're, we're going to be offering supplication on behalf of something. It may be this tumultuous time frame. I think a lot of my intercession right now is in regard to what's going on in this time frame. So much wickedness is abounding. 
And we've got to take a stand in grace and not falter or fail, not take things into our own hands, not overreact, but, but to keep moving in grace. And, and I believe that God sends us breezes of joy, refreshing of joy, and joy unspeakable, full of glory, and the, and the half has never yet been told. It is joy. Remember that old hymn? I've never sung that. Well, some of you who are uh, hymnists, you know that song. But that's from the scripture. Joy is unspeakable. You, you don't know. You can't fully enunciate it. But it, it's, it's totally in conjunction with glory but it doesn't tell you everything. That's a good verse. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Half has, has not been known. I like that. <laughs> I remember that old hymn. I used to, we used to sing it all the time. And you get to the chorus, and it just, it just uh, was, was something that, uh, that was a stem winder. Um, and of course, that's that's uh, you know basically out of First Peter one. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, and it they amalgam that with the half not being told. Some of you are going to ask, where is that scripture? But anyway, there it is. So I like what he says then in verse five. This is so picturesque. Your fellowship, the koinonia, in this expression of what God is proclaiming from the first day until now. The first day. This first day is a term that was primarily used to describe the beginning of the day or very often to talk about that really glorious time between darkness when the first measure of sunrise is starting to permeate the darkness. That's what this described. I love that time of the day. I love to be up praying when I can see the lights start coming. And it's, it's kind of strange for me because I really like that, the, the darkness of the early morning. I like to be praying then. I love that. And it's almost like there's such commune. You know, God deals in dreams during that time. His purpose, um, you're, you're really engaging apostolically in your prayer for what's coming. And there's such a richness in that moment. And I almost, I almost hate for that to end. But that time where you've gone from that darkness and you're embracing even the first slivers of light. That's what this word is. And these people were, were with Paul when, you know, maybe they, they had a burden that God wanted to do something and they were already ready to receive. Or maybe when he first came, they didn't have to be convinced or wait till it became the fun or the cool thing to do. Or 
Maybe they didn't have to wait until everybody else was doing it, and then they said, "I better get on board, or I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna be the laughing stock. Everybody else has it, not me." So much of Christianity is trendy, and they move in the momentum already generated by somebody else, and you're gonna have those people. But these folks, they just were with Paul. When it wasn't cool, uh, they were with Paul and willing to embrace when the darkness was still there. And they didn't, you know, they didn't really know what was coming. And, th- and I think this is why Paul cherished them. And maybe it's why he just hits them with the steady dose of grace, because that's how they were born. That's how that's how they were, that's how they were functioning, and um, I, 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 their their koinonia was was involved in that, and uh, you know it's it's just so good. It's such such a colorful, such a colorful thing, and and Paul expresses it, and and so then he goes into that really wonderful poetic prophetic. He's confident that he that begins a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. Do you know that this isn't just one thing? This is a an ongoing thing? That we know that when we partner in grace and we're offering supplication, whatever God is beginning, he's faithful to complete it. Um, and you go back to that that glorious, beautiful picturesque word about um, the, the, the dawn going into the light. That is, that is so, so great. Now, that word also was used to describe a sequence. Um, you know, it could, it could also speak of the 24-hour progression but at heart, it, it embraces the, the, the darkness going into the light that really signifies the beginning of something. So I know that some of you are going to look at this and you're going to see on the third day and the heat of the day. And you're going to see all those things and you're going to think that pastor has just made this up. I guarantee you, I didn't make this up. When Paul uses this to describe these folks, he wasn't talking about a 24-hour period. He was using that idiom definition that spoke about when the day really begins to have light. And so that's why then he visits back on verse 6, he that has begun. It's the beginnings, that good work. So, we're just having a Bible study here. I'm not showing you three ways to get what you want. I'm not trying to drive you to the altar. I'm not, I don't have some, uh, as most preachers do, some targeted, you know, at the end of this broadcast, you're going to be able to do this. This is Bible study. Hopefully this is strengthening the intercessor. 
to partner with God in supplication in accordance with grace. This is the musculature of the deep things of the Spirit, and it's from the Scripture. It's how Paul used it, and you are living this. You know, I, I can almost guarantee you, being born into the general church, growing up in the general church, that when you look at Philippians 1, a preacher is going to target verse 6, and he's going, or she is going to say, what do you believe in God for, friend? Maybe that thing you're believing for, that answer to prayer, which felt so, you felt so confident in, but now your faith is being tried. Let me assure you that he has begun that good work in you. He's faithful to you. Sometimes you wonder where God is. I'm telling you, he's faithful. And uh, if he began this work of faith and you've been believing for it, he is faithful and will complete it. Look to your neighbor on either side and said, God will complete what he began in you. Yes, people yelling. That's where the preacher would go. And it's a good fireball sermon. Gets people excited, exuberated. But we're looking at what leads up to it. And why Paul said that to these people. And these people were a bunch of intercessors. They were offering supplication they partnered with Paul in grace when it wasn't cool to be walking with Paul. They, they were partnering with him in intercession when people thought, oh, that's nutty. I don't understand. I have a check in my spirit. But yet they believed. And they're offering supplication and they're gleaning joy. And they that's the essence of this. That was what the Philippian church was, according to Paul, and he rejoiced in that. And that sixth verse, even though that's the beauty of the Word of God, can be used in the way that I just said it, from verse 6, as most preachers would, and some are masterful with it. I, I envy uh, the, the, the thespian skills of a lot of preachers. Man, they can milk this and get people running the aisles and weeping, and oh man, they get a hold of a nerve and they just work it. Bless them. But I'm speaking to intercessors today. <laughs> you know, sometimes when I am have the privilege of being able to speak into some of the places around the world. You know, I give a weekly word to our Brazilian churches. We have lots of different outreaches, thank God, that are going out to Brazil throughout the month every on a weekly basis, too. But I recognize that when I'm just giving an, an exhortation, it's kind of like a word of the week. And I'm, I'm not really able to teach on a whole lot. I can't talk to seasoned intercessors because most of them are, many of them are just coming alongside us for the first time. So like I would take that verse, verse 6, and I would talk that way, but then I'd try to interject a deeper meaning of some of these words and say, some of you are called to this kind of intercession on a regular basis. I try to bring the deeper things in, but I recognize that they need to be stirred up 
It's a weird thing. It's kind of like a teacher of elementary school students. I've seen some of the things our Sunday school teachers would do to get the kids excited and get them active. You know, our own Imani here um, um, does really cool things to get the kids excited, but then you interject some deeper thing that maybe will help them to learn. I remember one time um, one of our sisters here was teaching the kids and she made a, a tongues of fire little paper hat. And those, the, my little granddaughters came walking out with those things on their head. And I thought, that's great. But you have to entertain them because they're, they're, they're childlike in so many ways. But hopefully they learned that, hey, you need to be speaking in tongues. It was a gift from God given at Pentecost. And you need to keep utilizing it after you've received it. So I have no qualms with people speaking about verse 6. But you have to look at the context and, and I dare say, you know, if you say to your preacher, did you know this? He, I, I'm not faulting him, but he probably doesn't. Probably doesn't know that. And of course, he doesn't want to, don't try to show up your teacher, your preacher. That will never give you any good work. Um, we always caution saints who get pneumaticos understandings from going and trying to I don't say they're trying to show up their pastor, but you can easily do that. No pastor wants to be confronted with something. It's like you're being having one put over on you. I, I'm going off trail here. As we come to pray in this season, and as we are here to pray tonight at church, offer yourself before God according to the spirit of grace and supplication. Don't just come seeking for a word, even though he said he's going to give them tonight. Offer yourself in supplication, and God will release his joy to you. That may come in many forms. Some of you may have a vision. Some of you may get a, a rhema scripture. Some of you may simply feel a light, a lightning, a lighting, some type of uh, encouragement in you. That's a gift from God. And, of course, there will inevitably be somebody who says, I didn't feel anything. And the enemy will come and start trying to beat you down. How do you know you didn't feel anything? You know, I've been working out daily. Sometimes I would do a particular point of physical training and I felt great I thought man my body dealt with that pretty well I was grateful for it well the next day I feel a little soreness there I didn't know it at the moment I could say hey I didn't have any effect but deep in me something was being stretched it wasn't a bad feeling it was a good feeling but I could feel it Sometimes I'll be in intercession and over the next couple of days, God will illuminate in my thinking things that happened then that I didn't know at the moment. So be very careful before you put the Eeyore, I don't get anything. I hate that. God is going to do something with his people 
who come before him. You just got to be sensitive to know that something's happening and things will show themselves. As I said, this is a Bible study. Um, I'm trying to show you the word and I'm trying to speak counsel into intercessors. This is the season we're in. I can tell you sometimes when I'm praying, I don't have very good feelings about what's happening in our country and what God's going to do in response. Sometimes as I'm praying, I see threats to various theaters of operations around the world, and it's troubling to me. I have to stay in grace. I have to keep the joy set before me while I'm enduring that. So God wants to give you bits and pieces of joyful insights. They may take different forms. They will take different forms. But when they become apparent, hold on to them. You may even want to associate what you were feeling in your intercession, the degree of the exchange of the burden, and then what God says in that. That could be a helpful point for you. You know, sometimes when um, I would go to uh, somebody that was showing me exercises I'd need to do, and they'd say, okay, you say you had, quote, pain. On a scale of 1 to 10, what was it? Well, how do you do that? Do you have a gauge? You can look to, oh, yeah, that's a 6.5. It's not a Richter scale in your body. It's kind of hard. You know, some people who don't tolerate pain, everything's a 10. Oh, give me something, please. Then some people are as tough as old shoe leather, and they're really radiating a 10. They're saying, oh, it's not too bad. So it's hard to tell, but you've got to give them some kind of an answer. You know, for whoever you are, for whatever you are, I would say that you need to be continue to try to learn the inclinations that God has built you to discern in. The ways that you discern. It's going to be different from every person. But you should be knowing in that intricacy of who you are. Well, I felt this today. I'm not trying to make this into works. But it's for you to be able to grow and learn. Well, what do you mean you felt this today? Yeah, on, on your chart of experience, was this a max out or was it something that was approaching that or was it something that was kind of middling or you just get a tremor? You can answer that, but don't ask me then to explain why. I would think that if it's full max, that God really needs you to sew yourself in and press through. If it's pending, be aware of that. Every person is different. I can't tell you what it means. But we need to be learning the voice of the Spirit within us, and we need to be learning how God's Spirit within us that was born again only through Christ is registering these certain things. And that will help your mind then to process. I think sometimes people just, they overreact, and then their mind, is you might, you might as well forget about learning anything. Did you ever have a, a little child come, or even kids that act, adults that act like little kids, and they're just, they're 
Chicken Little. You know, the sky is falling. You say, no, whoa, 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 wait a second. What do you mean? Tell me what happened. Just calm down. Have you ever said that to anybody? Hopefully you haven't had that be said to you many times. And then you process. What happened? What do you sense? Fear tries to ride in on that alarm bell. And if you judge that alarm bell with the perfect agape of the Lord, it casts out fear because you're processing it in conjunction with what God has created you to do in him. Well, we're, we're at finishing time. And I pray that God will um, really use you as you are praying in supplication prayer. And for those of you uh, who are hearing this on this Wednesday, make plans to come to pray or pray wherever you're at. He that has begun a good work in you will be faithful. He is faithful. Thanks for joining. God bless you and goodbye.